0: Hey, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of The Freelancer Show. Today, we have co-hosts Brad Large. How's it going, everybody? Petra Manos.
1: Hi, everyone.
0: I'm your host, Joel Schaubert, filling in for Charles Maxwood, who couldn't be here today. And our guest today is Italina Kirkness, who's going to talk to us about social media and what you need to do to shift it during our COVID crisis. Thank you, everybody.
2: Hi.
3: This episode is sponsored by Cloudways. If you're running a business, then you need a website. And your website needs to be up 24-7. You probably want support. I mean, let's face it, cloud hosting is a pain in the butt. And if you're really looking for a solution, you probably want something that will support WordPress or Magento or something that you can build up on your own without having to be an expert in running all of this stuff. So why not go with a solution that will provide all of this with 24-7 support, high availability, and we will run your website with high performance and reliability. This is why I recommend that you check out Cloudways. Go check out Cloudways at cloudways.com. Use the promo code DEVCHAT for 30% off for three months on all plans.
0: All right, Italina. So this is a great topic for us right now. I mean, we've been in this long enough. We're all getting used to having to shift so many things in our lives, from basic shopping to how we see our friends, to pretty much everything's been affected in some way. Why don't you get the ball rolling and tell us about what you're doing and and how that's changed now during this whole uh, COVID crisis?
2: Sure. So I have an eight-year-old social media company, and what we've been doing is creating content on behalf of our clients to promote them so they remain relevant online. Well, you can imagine that uh, with our health crisis, that our messaging, the things we say, the way we represent or kind of sell for our clients online definitely takes a different tone a more sensitive uh, tone uh, addressing definitely addressing the situation that we're in so just as an example whereas before there might be your your general post addressing holidays or um, really upbeat posts I think it's really important to uh, really address that things are not as great, right? To address, be vulnerable, and share some of the, the downsides for sure. I think there's this tendency to only share the positives online. And with this, our clients have been really open with having a, a more vulnerable tone.
0: That's great. I, I think, uh, you know, I noticed that for everyone, even just talking casually with people, there's, there's some sense of wanting to do a certain amount of things to feel like your life is normal. But it's almost like this is weighing on people and they want a way to just some sort of space to kind of relate their experiences to it.
2: For sure. Um, I the truth is, or kind of the irony is that, you know, when we're promoting our clients online and when a business owner promotes themselves online, what they're looking to do is be relatable. you you, or that's what they should be doing (laughs) looking to be relatable build a relationship with their audience or followers well one of the most obvious ways to be relatable is to share your common experience so for example uh if the during the first week that shelter in place uh was put in place you were feeling just really depressed I think a lot of people can relate to that and I think it's okay to share that because you're not alone if anything your audience is going to connect with you that much better and that's the whole point of all of your your marketing really it's I I'm a, my philosophy is in I believe in relationship marketing and and I think in sharing the hardships sharing what you've gone through and even how you've lifted yourself out of it that way it's not you know 100 depressing i think that's inspiring and it further establishes you as a go-to leader as a resource
0: one of the things i've noticed with um, one of my clients that relates to this is they're a heating and air conditioning company so they have to go into people's houses so they've been very cautious about separating people from each other. They can't visit the ones that come back for parks, have to wait for this little like dumbwaiter elevator to come down. So they're not in the building, just incredible number of procedures to make sure that they're all isolated from each other and that their clients are protected. So, I, th- I understand the part about being relatable. Do they want it with the twist of what we're doing to protect you? Or do they also just want to relate to you as a person and how you're kind of what you're going through as yourself in a company?
2: Yeah, I think you absolutely want to share the safety protocols you're putting in place. I think your audience will appreciate that as well. And that makes for excellent content. So again, it's addressing the situation that we're in. You're also putting people kind of on notice on what to expect so that it's not this weird, like what is going on here? Uh, But yes, sharing your safety protocols, that makes people want to further do business with you. I know for myself the just let's just take the grocery store situation. Those places that are enforcing the six foot distance and they're actually regulating and they're actually doing that. Those are the places that I want to go. Where I've had experience where I've gone to a place where they weren't enforcing. And I said in my head, I'm not coming back here again. I don't feel safe. they are not enforcing. So if you're the kind of business that has these protocols in the place that makes for excellent content, your audience wants to know that so they know it's safe to do business with you.
1: So our clients, i um, sorry, not our clients, but our, our listeners here are Uh, are freelancers. So a lot of freelancers are probably finding themselves in the boat where really business hasn't changed much in terms of how they do their business. They might have already been working remotely. They might have already been working as a single entity and they might not have been seeing a lot of um, clients face-to-face anyway. They might have been already doing a lot of meetings via Zoom If someone's in that boat and really their business hasn't changed much, they just need to find new business or they're they're using social media for the first time because maybe they've recently started their business. Is there a way that they can put those overtones into their social media, even if it hasn't affected them or even if it hasn't, um, they don't have
2: any protocols to worry about? for sure excellent so that we have clients who are definitely in that situation and we're putting out content like we're still doing business. We're still helping, let's say we're, we're, we're working with uh, realtors. We're still helping people uh, purchase their homes. A lot of homes are being sold at this point and we're still able to help them. So I think all, whatever it is that you're going through, what you're experiencing, whether there's a significant change or not, I think that makes for excellent content because again, there's a lot of people who can relate to what you're saying. So the fact that you're sharing what your whatever your situation is, I think that's very relatable.
4: I think that's a good point. I heard somebody, um, somebody that I follow, their email thread came out and said, you know, you, but well, this is. Let me start by saying, it. so this really hasn't affected me that much financially, economically, because I've been starting this, I, you know, um, freelance thing for why I side hustle and do that. So if anything, my business has only gotten better during this time frame. So I haven't really, I was starting with a low bar, but coming up through that, like it's still like getting better. Right. So I, I, when I read this email, I kind of related to it and I'd like to get your take on it as well Is they're talking about social media and outbound marketing. And they said, you know, don't assume that everybody's in a bad spot right now because you know, really you're just making an assumption then. And so, like, I noticed in the aviation business that, um, which is where I, I do a lot of outbound marketing, that the safety protocols are huge, right? The risks of flying in an enclosed tube in the air are pretty big with, you know, a disease like this an you know, illness like this. So, when I look at that, I, I see them projecting a lot of their situation onto their customers. But the people that fly aren't necessarily in a a very bad spot, especially private aviation. Some of their businesses are doing fine. Some of them are booming. Some of them are logistics companies that now all of a sudden they're finding all this time and money to invest in scalable processes. Right. So uh, are there ways to like, is it, is that a good thing to do is try and, well, I feel like I'm answering my own question, but there's a lot of projection I feel like going on on social media and I,
2: yeah, I think there's a sensitive way to approach it. So uh, what we've been doing and saying things like, there are businesses out there that are struggling. The restaurant industry, for example, just, just been hit, has been hit really, really hard. But um, at the same time, um, one thing that we like to share is how even in the midst of crisis, there's opportunity. And technology companies, as you're sharing, they are thriving around. This is this is a time of opportunity, um, so I think it's it's a sensitive way to approach it is by saying addressing the reality is yes, there are several companies and businesses out there that have been hit significantly. At the same time, there are other companies that are thriving, and fortunately, we're one of them, right? Or like even framing it in terms of gratitude, we're really grateful that we're in this position that we're still able to serve you, you know? So I think there's sensitive ways to frame the conversation.
4: That's a good takeaway for me. When you said earlier on that the whole point is to be relatable, to relate to other people on social media. I'm a tech guy. I get caught up in my own head and I don't always think about that aspect of it, right? I think about, I get caught up and I find myself posting things where I'm like, you know, I am just kind of, putting things out there and I'm not thinking about how to be more relatable with these posts. I'm just thinking like it's a bulletin sometimes. Right. Uh, so, or I treat it that way. So I'm guilty of that. But uh, so that's interesting that you said, you know, try to find those ways to be relatable, address the situation. Basically you're not, you know, trying to avoid it or anything like that, but you are trying to relate to people out there that could benefit from the services you offer, blah, blah, blah. You know, also shared human experience. Right.
2: Yeah, I see this often in marketing, where when people get to the computer, they turn into these like robots. And really, I like to think of it as you've got another human being right across from you and you're talking to that human being, as compared to, like you said, a bulletin. That's a great analogy. So I always like to think about hey, there's another person right there in front of me. I'm talking to that specific individual, and that's how you'd want to communicate in your marketing. Again, for for the purposes of relationship marketing, our philosophy, what we do. There are definitely times I feel like even when you have announcements, like um, one of our clients happens to be a restaurant, and they wanted to announce that they're doing 20% off if you order via DoorDash but we still were able to frame it um, in a way like, you know, local families love to feed the whole gang here and now you can do it for 20% off, right? So rather than what you see like in department stores, sale, sale, 20% off, you know, rather than doing that, it's we're all about conversational relationship building type of communication.
4: So one thing that I I love that you said, I think about somebody like sitting across from me, right? So I would love to hear your tips for identifying uh, those people, because that's something I struggle with uh, is just like speaking directly to a specific target audience, you know, trying to pick out one person I'm talking to. Do you have any tips for like Absolutely. how to pick those people?
2: So to me, you, do you have clients right now, Brad? Do you have Yeah, clients? I do. Yeah. Do you have a favorite client?
4: I do. I have like two or three clients that I really, um, I really enjoy have. working with.
2: Yeah. Okay. And could you, would you be able, you don't have to, but just yes or no, would you be able to say why you like these two or three people?
4: Yeah. I, I mean, like I've actually been looking at that. Like what, what is it that I like about these people?
2: Yeah. So I, I like to do rather than trying to invent a person, think about who you currently have, who is your favorite, and picture that person directly across from you and talk to them. And then um, I I like to find the commonalities between, let's say you have two or three people, find the commonalities between those few people. Uh, and that way you can, get, can create some consistent messaging. And that way you're attracting more people like them.
4: <laughs> it makes so much sense when you say it like that. <laughs>
2: I've
1: got a question as well, actually. So, uh, so being a freelancer, I find that I don't, often have as much time as I would like. I'm sure there's no other freelancers in the world that feel like that. Uh, so I tend to automate a lot of my social media, which uh, you're probably cringing at that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I, I feel that most likely it doesn't come across as that empathetic human being just because a lot of it's automated. Now, at the same time, I guess that's a choice that I've made because I haven't been able to invest in all of the things. Um, But is there something that someone like myself can do if we are automating our social media to just make it a bit softer so that it doesn't come across as robotic?
2: Sure. So this is what I would suggest. You might not like it so i know for me if that's if it's not on my calendar it does not happen it just doesn't happen so if i were you i'd block out even if it were 10 minutes 15 minutes just kind of brain dump the kind of things you want to talk about just brain dump and then um from there you have this whole list of topics that you can kind of find to. when you say automate i'm not sure what you mean if you've got some company doing
1: this oh i've got it all scheduled out in advance
2: Okay, so you have at one point blocked out time, created a bunch of content, and you've got it scheduled out. Okay, so great. So what we found is that the content that we created BC, before COVID, uh, definitely needed to be tweaked. So we took the time. We took the time to do that. Um, something like this is so huge, it's so global, it's, so, it's impacting everyone, like no matter who, it's touching everyone in some way, even if it's emotionally, um, even if it's not impacting your business. Uh, it, this being so huge is definitely worth taking the time. And I'm not saying you have to throw it away completely, but tweak it. We, we actually did that, and we found that just adding a couple different words uh, makes a difference.
1: Do you think that people can tell though that it's been scheduled rather than because when I'm thinking about um, you know the empathy with others it's more of a real-time chat about oh this is how I'm feeling today whereas scheduled content tends to be more informative in nature so Mm. most of my content for example is educational content rather than how I'm feeling content Mm. and it's not so much because I don't think of that probably in, in many ways, I actually am thinking about it. I tend to be like the worrier that's <laughs> like thinking about all the things. So I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm not actually sharing myself enough because I know that sharing yourself is effective, but you can't really schedule something a month earlier about how you're going to feel in a month's time. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. those, those posts just don't really end up in there unless I'm doing them live, which I don't tend to post live very often.
2: Yeah, I think that informational posts are great, and I think we can still make them relevant. So for example, on my social media pages, I'm obviously sharing free social media tips and education that would probably fall under informative. But the way we're making it relevant is saying things like in these times or even now or more important now than ever, right? So that's how we're making it relevant to, to now.
3: Early in my career, I figured out which jobs were worth working at and which ones weren't, mostly by trial and error. I created a system that I used to find jobs and later contracts as a freelancer. If you're looking for a job or trying to figure out where you should go next, then check out my book, The Max Coder's Guide to Finding Your Dream Developer Job. The book walks you through figuring out what you want, vetting companies that meet your criteria, meeting that company's employees, and getting them to recommend you for a job. Don't settle for whoever has listed their job on the job board. Go out and proactively find the job you'll love. Buy the book at devchat.tv slash jobbook. That's devchat.tv slash job book.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. So I, I just wrote a hundred tips and I wrote them during during coronavirus. So while I have tried to make them evergreen, at least I wrote them during during this time so probably some of those little subtle phrases are in there yeah and I have when I do post live I've been adding things like that as well because yeah I agree you want to make it seem relevant but sometimes the evergreen content is still relevant it's more just about toning it down a bit in terms of that not so much the excitement but you know, not making it sound like something you wrote a year ago. <laughs> but yeah, I, I did that actually. I, I turned off all of my automated content that I'd written prior to COVID. I just got rid of all of it and just wrote a whole lot of new tips and then automated that. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I still noticed though that if I share something live, that's got some emotion in it. A lot more people respond, especially when I shared about how I lost a whole lot of clients that were in the hotel industry that got a lot of response and, you know, people care about that. But then when you start going back into the usual thing of sharing um, content, you can get back into the noisy world of the internet where it's, it's not always exciting and and fresh and new and emotional. Right.
2: You know, I I think that there's, you know, there's two different, there's, those are different types of content when you're sharing yourself, right, what you're feeling and then the informative educational piece. And I think that people still care about information share. They want to, they want answers. And so it's just a matter of putting those answers in this time if that makes any sense. Right. So showing that, Hey, this is really important right now. You, you are in this situation. Here's this tip. Here's this education. Here's this information. Information share is still very, very important.
4: I think there's a huge value add there as well. So when I create content, you know, like Petra, you were saying it's, it's evergreen content. Right. But then what I do on social is I try to make it relevant now and like, thread the, you know, thread those two ideas together of why it's relevant now. So anytime that I put social media wrappers on there, um, that's what I'm trying to do. I can take an evergreen piece of content and put it in there and share it. But the words that I'm using on the platform to, for that link or that resource or whatever it is, that's what I I try to put that, you know, kind of personal touch on or make relevant for the moment. That's, I I try to do that. I'm not fantastic at it. I'm not. Honestly, this is great info for me because I am not fantastic at social media. (laughs) Um, I mean, I'm pretty bad at it. I'm just not. uh, I I don't know. It, It gets frustrating for me as well because I feel like I have to do it. It's like one of those things I have to do. I'm not a naturally social person. I haven't been on Facebook in like a decade, gave it up way before it was cool. (laughs) But, uh, you know, I get on LinkedIn and network there, but it's always hard, you know, it's hard for me to think through that because I do it so irregularly to draw that value proposition between the piece of content I have now and why it's still relevant or why somebody should look at it today. And even though there are tons of reasons, if you have businesses, uh, like you said, now more than ever, you should be following up with people and just checking in. Because right now, I mean, relationship marketing, building relationships with people is not always asking when you want business from them. It's just saying, hey, you know what? I haven't followed up with you in a while. Uh, How are you doing?
2: For sure. Like
4: it can seriously be that simple. Yeah. Um, So a lot of my content around CRMs obviously gravitates towards that, but putting that personal wrapper on there of, Being able to, because that's how I, the value for me, I get to be more personable than I naturally am by implementing this, right? So putting those wrappers, my whole point is putting those personal wrappers over that on social media so people see that value. I I feel like that's the, the real challenge.
2: Yeah, and I think also you feel more you, I feel like it's less of a chore when it's like, okay, I get to be myself being just because I'm posting on social media doesn't mean I have to be like somebody's other person, I get to be myself and my audience is going to love me that minority that doesn't love me. It's okay. This is my audience. Um, the other thing I want to say about um, touch on is, oh, social media. So as far as information share totally still relevant i think and i think you your information stands out when you are adding those personal wrappers i like how you how you put that um to give an example typically whenever before bc before covid i talk about things like how to leverage linkedin um how to rock your brand on instagram right just social, just the different social media sites. Well, when COVID hit, I had to shift, I'm talking really kind of, I'm still talking about social media, but the title of the talk shifted, how to shift your social media content during COVID, just really relating it to now. It's a lot of the same material, a lot of the same content. We're just framing it in context of where we are now.
0: You know, that brings up a question. I know for both Petra and I, we have a case where some of our clients have at least temporarily gone away because their businesses are in the ones that sort of have to shut down. I don't know in Petra's case, but in my case, a couple of my clients, they're not sure if they'll be coming back depending upon how long this lasts because they're kind of newer startups. So of course they're not as well funded and don't have as as much money to stretch. If you, if we were to communicate with them, it wouldn't necessarily be about more business right now. Um, what kind of approach would we take with, if you have clients that are really a little bit on the bench right now, so to speak?
2: Mm-hmm. Sure, again, I, I kind of fall back on the share what you're going through. What you just said as far as, hey, we're not sure if we're still gonna be around, we're not sure if we're gonna weather this, share that. And, and that's being transparent, as being honest. And I think people are really caring uh, when it comes down to it and people definitely respond. I think someone else shared, Oh, the hotel, all the hotels, like people feel for that, you know? So I think that that all makes for great content.
0: Now, if someone uh, like one of us was to come to you as a freelancer, Um, what would be some of the steps you would go through in working with us? Do you have a certain process you follow or how would that work?
2: Most definitely. Great question. So uh, a business comes to me, they are like, I need to upgrade my online presence. I need to get better. It's more important now. I really have to do this. Um, I said, okay, great. So we, we signed them up. First things first, and this is the magic sauce. And this is how we add, I'm going to start using that personal wrapper. Um, we have a whole questionnaire, a list of questions that allow us to pull out all this information from the business owner to get clear on who they are and their business. So um, that can mean there's obviously their services, their area, their uh, a geographic area of interest, their audience, all this information we need to know so that we can basically write about their company. So it's almost as if we become a part of that company, we're able to write about it, create content on their behalf. So once we get to know them now, first things first, most businesses, maybe they have a LinkedIn or a Facebook business page or Instagram, maybe even a Yelp page. So it's a matter of what's on that page. So I'm not referring to the posts right now. I'm referring to the actual bios, of what's on those pages. So the Facebook business page itself or the LinkedIn profile, that's a really obvious example. It has a bio. There's all this opportunity, all the space for the business owner to market themselves. When the average um, user actually you know, they may or may not have an about section. The experience section just looks like a long laundry list of companies where they've worked or companies they've started. When we should actually as freelancers, as contractors, as individual business owners, our social media sites should look more like websites, more like marketing pieces, less like a resume. If you look at the average Facebook business page, It's fairly blank. So if you click on the cover photo, for example, or if you click on the profile photo, uh, it's blank. There's nothing there. There may be something in the About section. There's a Services tab. I see most businesses, they don't even utilize that services piece on the the Facebook business page. So anyway, I see all that to say is first things first, once we uh, get the questionnaire, once we get to know that business, we have to rewrite their pages, whether that be the LinkedIn profile, the Facebook business page, the Yelp page, the Instagram bio. Once they're all set up, I call that their online storefront. Once they're all set up, then it's the ongoing postings. So we can help them either um, maybe they're already posting once a week or kind of randomly. We, we may just supplement their posts, create posts. For them for the other days of the week so they're more consistently um, present online and obviously so they're more their posts are seen more favorably by the algorithm all that good stuff so yeah we're content creators we create content for our clients
1: we've managed to make that content sound more like the person that's in the business because uh, see I find that when I create content I'll often ask my team member to draft something, but then I always have to very heavily edit it because um, my, my team members can never sound like me. I mean, I'm quite technical. And even though I try to make my content more focused on my audience, so I'll remove a lot of jargon, I still find that my ideas can't be but what I'm writing about is my ideas and those ideas require a certain amount of knowledge. So it's very different for someone else to sound like me when, when, when they write. So how do you manage to do that? Or is, is that something that is a challenge for many solopreneurs? So our magic
2: sauce again is that questionnaire. When we give them that questionnaire, they're actually typing on it. So we're, we've, got, we've pulled out all this information from them And in that, we're seeing how they talk. We're seeing how they communicate. And we're seeing the kinds of things they want conveyed online. That uh, is the foundation that we use for creating content. That sounds like that. So they love that. Now, for clients who feel like, oh, I still want to add my little flair, what we do is we create one month's full of content for them, again, based on that foundation, the questionnaire, we send it to them via Word document so they can making tweaks. So believe it or not, Petra, our clients, um, the ones that we do that for, they are like, man, this is great. It's perfect. Or they're like, Oh, I just added a couple things. It's literally just a matter of a, a few words or here, uh, for here and there. So the, the, I would say the questionnaire is the magic sauce.
1: Yeah. I, I like that idea of planning it all out ahead because I know that I would be the kind of person that would want to correct any technical omissions or technical errors because I wouldn't want to convey myself online as not having the most accurate information. And I know that I'm followed by my peers and having them correct me (laughs) on something technical, I would personally find that very embarrassing.
2: Yeah.
1: And um, so I wouldn't want to be in a situation where I was posting something that was not conveying what I actually do or what is, not something that i feel is correct but um yeah but that's a that's a good point and probably one of the benefits of trying to plan it in advance rather than doing it on the fly all the time otherwise you you can find yourself in this situation where you've got someone writing content for you and then you're trying to quickly check it before it goes out and then if it goes out you're trying to pull it back and that turns into disaster so Yeah. Okay. Now that's, that's an interesting point. Thanks.
4: That just reminded me of a story (laughs) that when I made my first 10 YouTube videos, I launched them all as a block. And so I went through them and Petra, you were saying, you know, they're, they're technical pieces. So you want to verify that they're accurate. I completely configured something completely wrong, like (laughs) totally wrong in like the third video in a series of like five. So it's like halfway through. And I, I don't think I've ever recovered from that. It's been terrifying ever <laughs> since uh, I, I get paranoid, but no, I mean, it's still on YouTube today. And I just put like a caption on it and then re-released the video. And, uh, actually I'm still here. So <laughs> I've done the same. I've put captions on awful. things
1: too. It's a magic trick. The caption,
4: <laughs> It is. I've had so, to do I exactly mean- the same. Yeah, it was, but I, I've learned from them. you know, after I I did that, I was trying to get out and you know what, I'm glad I didn't let it stop me from publishing, but at the same time, I was just kicking myself.
0: That's great. The old story from, uh, from recording movies, right? We'll fix that in the edit.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes you have to though, because um,
0: things change. So when you are sharing technical information, you can't